0: Welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio.
1: Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. And today we are here to discuss episode three of season three of Six Feet Under, Titled The Eye Inside. Today I'm back with uh, Neil McGarry of Nitpicking, the Next Generation podcast. Did I say that right? Yes, that's it. Hi, Neil. <laughs> I am
0: really glad to be back.
1: <laughs> uh, if you remember, uh, God, what was it? I have it up already because I was sort of listening to it. Neil was with me last season, episode six, In Place of Anger. Uh, oh, really quick, off the top of your head uh i host my podcast on on soundcloud and in place of i don't know i'm sorry it's back to the garden it's not this one i'm sorry i get random likes all the time for back to the garden because i think it was a song Hmm. i'm just saying this off the top of my head i get i get notifications almost once every few days of you know and i don't know if you host on soundcloud but soundcloud you get random there's a lot of spam accounts on soundcloud um I thought that was this episode, so moot point. Uh when I had reached out to Neil, uh, this was <laughs> Neil, Neil, uh we went over a few episodes, but then we, we, we boiled down on this episode for for one person in particular. Oh, the crematory guy. Oh
0: man, I'm so angry at him.
1: <laughs> oh, because I, I I thought you just really liked him. You thought he was the best and he was your favorite.
0: I mean, he's my favorite in terms of like <laughs> to totally rip joking. into him. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no, I, I, I could have felt your uh, your your anger um, during, during during our, during our emails. Uh, I guess some small tie-in, right? To I know, I know you are doing Star Trek. The, your your podcast covers which portion of of Star Trek: The Next Generation? That's probably yeah. obvious, right? Okay, yeah,
0: we're in the middle of season four now.
1: How much longer do you have again? I, I, I know I had asked you this stuff already, but.
0: Well, The Next Generation had seven seasons, and okay. we do a weekly podcast, and it's like 26 episodes a season. So we're going to be doing this into like 2019. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> but, but like I, I was saying last time, you guys have fun with it because you kind of. Uh, th- there were some like fun themes, but you guys just kind of rip into it, um, which I love. I love I love that about again I said last time and I'm still not a Star Trek fan. There is a Star Trek tie-in in this episode. Did you notice it at all? I didn't. I just kind of doing my research on the episode. Did you catch the the Star Wars Star Wars the Star Trek tie-in?
0: Well, I think I did if you and I are thinking of the same uh, it looks like there is someone in this episode who's in one of the Star Trek movies or yeah, several.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you see, I again I just I had seen that this uh Let's see here. Zachary Quinto. Mm-hmm. And he oh, yes, like, indeed. And he was... It says here the star of the Star Trek movie. Was, was he like the the lead character?
0: He plays... He's in the J.J. The J. Abrams reboot movies. Yeah, yeah. And he plays uh, Spock. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Which makes sense because, I mean, Quinto has this kind of... I mean, I think he's really attractive, but he's got an odd look to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we slap on some pointy ears and shave his eyebrows in a certain way and you know he's mr spock
1: wow i mean i'm i just typed his name into google and i'm looking at him even without it and it's like yeah yeah like at the top of my page here it has him as spock and yeah that's kind of funny yeah he looks he he, he fits it really well (laughs) uh i guess i guess we could get into to our episode uh again like i said this episode is titled the eye inside uh this aired march 16th 2003 uh, this episode was directed by Michael Engler, and I only bring that up because he did some commentary on the episode. And as opposed to other commentaries, it wasn't just complimenting every writer and everything. You know, there was actually some insight into some of the stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. He kept saying how obvious some of the stuff was, and I was listening to it like, Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, He kind of made me feel dumb during it. Uh, I, I guess, I'm kind of doing this backwards, but I had watched the episode one time around, and at the end of it, I was just kind of like, I don't get the theme of this episode. And then when I rewatched it, I had like a, a moment of enlightenment because I was like, oh, I, I totally get the episode now. The, the theme or, or kind of the breaking point of this episode. I don't know if I'm asking that question correctly, but uh, I'm assuming you have it.
0: Better understand it as I did my first time around. Well, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this episode in particular is because it's one of the few <laughs> that I actually get it in terms of the title. You know, okay, the other ones yeah, I don't yeah. always get it, and I don't want to sound like a like no, a dummy. No, so I that's want to thick. do this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, listen.
1: If we had recorded right after I watched the episode, this podcast would be like. Okay, so Neil, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> you know, because uh, i the but then I had that the breaking point in the second app, ep- the the second rewatch, and mm-hmm. essentially it's it's like, uh, uh, and I know I'm jumping way ahead, and we'll we'll, we'll circle back, but Olivier, saying, uh, you know, the new te- art teacher saying the eye inside being your your truest self, mm-hmm. um, and we just kind of see all the characters from that point become quote unquote their their truest self, they're their, their eye inside, bringing out the comfortable. Um, okay. Let's start with the death capsule. Uh, okay. We ha- we see this woman, it, rather short death capsule too, and at first you're kind of like, I don't know how this is going to, you know, there's not really so much substance to it. We just see this young girl, Callie, uh, and she's walking out from a bar, and she's getting catcalled by a few guys, which turn out to be her friends, and she kind of stops in the middle of the street and gets hit by a car. Mm. I guess this, this, See, I had, I, I, did have trouble with this, and I, I guess, uh, playing with that theme, the eye inside, is that just these? She couldn't believe that these guys would be catcalling her. Uh, you know what? Let me, let me, let me throw it to you because you could probably talk about this better, like, like how this death plays into the episode.
0: Well, you know, let me start off by saying this is one of the hardest death capsules for me in the entire run of the series.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, it makes me so angry.
1: Okay, yeah, I could see that.
0: That these three seem to have no understanding that a woman walking by herself at night on a dark street would possibly be afraid of a group of men catcalling her. It's almost offensively stupid. Like, there's no
1: way you didn't think that. <laughs> like, I can't believe anyone would think that,
0: you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's male privilege to the utmost degree. You know, and let me say, you know, I don't want to say, obviously I can't understand it the way that a woman would, but I remember some years ago, I live in Philadelphia and there was a bunch of, there were a bunch of gay bashings in the area in which I live. Mm -hmm. And I remember one night I was at a club with some friends and I I got my coat early. So I stepped out the side door and it closed behind me and it's one of those doors you can't get back in. You got to go around to the front. Yeah. And the instant I step out into this quiet street by myself. The door slams behind me. I think, I shouldn't do
1: this.
0: (laughs) And I remember thinking, is this what women go through all the time? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as far as how your question, how this relates to the episode, I I feel like maybe these three guys were getting to see themselves in a different light. They were getting to see with their own eyes inside.
1: Right, right. Uh, and I mean, they kind of talk about it during her funeral, you know, they're kind of like, you know, how could she see us as that being these kind of type of guys? The idea that it resulted in the death, um, I, I guess we have to get further into the episode just to kind of, you know, unravel it more. Mm. But it is pretty, the idea that a bunch of, I don't know, do how old do you want to, they're at least 20, at the very least 20, right?
0: I think... I saw from the, uh, you know, at at the end of the capsule, it shows you the age of the person yeah, when they I were born. Yeah, I think she was nineteen years old. So you figure they're around that age, right?
1: And they have to know this, and and I don't know why. I I'm a I'm a huge practical joker with my friends. It's kind of what I'm like known for within my friends. I would never do something like this. At a night, like, you know, I, I'd imagine I'd get arrested before... I don't know. I don't know. We don't have to get into it. Uh, but just the idea of, of mm-hmm. them and them uh, pretending like they didn't know. Uh, I guess let's start out with the the Keith and David storyline. Um, we see uh, David is now fully immersed in, in the, the men's choir. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> Let me ask you, why are you laughing? Because there, there's something that, the, again, like I said, that the commentary pointed out that... I didn't. I would have never realized it unless someone else pointed it out to me. So why why did you start laughing?
0: Okay, well, <laughs> this is going to get me in trouble. But <laughs> can I tell you that, like, <laughs> I can, like,
1: feel it coming. Go ahead.
0: Nothing is more tedious to me than a gay men's chorus. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. I have to say it. Why? Why? If, if you can. Because it's like a bunch of pop songs performed <laughs> by a group of guys, each of whom thinks he's Maria Callas reborn. <laughs> you know, I.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. Let me let me let me start here. What I didn't notice right until I heard the commentary is that what 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 the director Michael Ingler said is that. He had David, they had David do this because it's literally the gayest thing he could do that he could give voice to. Like, he's mm. literally giving voice to the idea of, like, coming out. I, and he was like, that wasn't supposed to be too obvious. I didn't pick up on that. I get it now, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know this plays out into a bigger role uh, these next few episodes, you know, as, as we learn that uh, Keith and David are going on a uh, weekend getaway of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they get to the resort, we see that David's uh, um, homophobia kind of comes back because he has this little thing where everyone's like, you know, this little flash dream sequence where everyone's just kind of calling them out for, for being gay and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Why, I, I didn't understand why because at this point where we're at in this series, we're kind of like halfway through till the end, right? I mean... I, I guess it's contradictory to what happens in this episode, but he's, how do I say this, comfortably gay up until they get here? Is that fair to say? Well. Or is this something that's ongoing and it's just been a while?
0: You know, I, I think internalized homophobia is right. something, overcoming that is not a mission, it's a, it's a, a process. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'm in my mid-40s, and there are times when I have to grapple with my own. Right. You know, even in situations where, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm okay, sometimes there's a part of me that says, like, you know, butch it up there, honey. Right, um, right. Which is what David is doing. And remember, too, that David—all right, there's a rule. You may not know. Um, no, I—yeah, like, go ahead. There's a rule with gay men that you don't date a gay guy until he is at least five years out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> okay I, not, I, 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 it makes total sense uh, but go on to, to
1: other other straight men like me who may not understand.
0: Well, you know its just because coming out is like internalized homophobia, like overcoming internalized homophobia coming out is a process mm-hmm. And you know when you're like six months out of the closet, you know you're still dealing with so much nonsense and I, I mean, it's hard when you' when you're first coming out to be in yeah. a relationship with somebody.
1: Yeah, and that's it's very understandable. I I have never heard that, but it makes total sense. Um, yeah, and that makes that makes sense. Uh, it just it kind of crept up on me that I thought I thought we were past the point with David understanding uh, true to life that it is it is a an ongoing process. Uh, I I forget. What what exactly one of my former guests said. I believe it was Ken from uh This Show is So Gay, but mm. he's like, uh you you you're always coming out to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an eventual thing. So I, I guess that's it just kinda struck me as like, oh, I forgot we were back here where, where David has a problem with it. And again, it doesn't tie into the whole episode where David is too afraid to even do whatever. Um it, do you think some of that t- <laughs> I mean, I was laughing during it, not not completely understanding it, but, like, you know, when they're pulling the chairs, <laughs> and, and it's obnoxiously loud.
0: And, you know, I, I was, like, thinking to myself, why don't the two of you just, like, each move the chair together, and th- it won't... But they, <laughs> they wanted to make it as excruciating as possible.
1: And, and I guess it's just to be, like, you know, like, I. God, it's it's hard for me to, to to vocalize this. Sometimes we are gay and we're okay with it. At least that's what Keith was doing. I don't know. They made it a point for those chairs to be so loud, right? Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Was it just to kind of you know we're we're gay and we're I don't want to say proud. We're gay and we're okay with it. I don't know. D- do you have any tie-in correlation between the chairs being up obnox- and they do it twice? You know, it's not yes. like a one-time thing. Uh. Or were you able to make sense of this a lot smarter than I'm saying?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think that not just the internalized homophobia, but, you know, David, like Ruth, is pathologically committed to never causing trouble. <laughs> you know? Pathologically like, committed. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. They never want to make a fuss, yeah. they never want to appear needy. And, you know, that is, becomes more evident in the fourth season. Mm-hmm. With something that happens to David, right? So right. I, I think it also it also pings that about David that he never wants to stick his head above water, or, you know.
1: Yeah, I like um, you know where they're they they're getting ready for this this luau or whatever it was, and I, lo- I love the line from Keith because David's just kind of struggling with this and you know just the, the idea of it's boring and, and whatnot, and Keith Keith has the line uh, no one gets a break from reality. So he's kind of like, why not, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, this scene, and I guess I won't say much about it now, but Keith says to David a more loving version of what Olivier says to Claire in a later scene. He really does.
1: Um, Yeah, i I, uh, a more loving and I guess a less, how do I say, a less difficult to digest way of saying it. This is here when they're getting ready.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead to the Olivier scene, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's basically Keith saying to, like, what he's telling David is, who are you trying to please right, by right. acting all butch? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, nobody cares. Everyone saw us come in together. That woman talked to you. The waiter took a picture of us. Didn't bat an eye when we asked. <laughs> You're trying to please someone. Who and why? Right, right. And, you know, fortunately, David's able to get past that, way past it. Yeah. Um, but I just – it struck me that I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a more palatable version of what Olivier says. The idea
1: that after this, you know, Keith, the reason that they, they kind of talked and themselves into going to this luau where they say, you know, the therapist told Keith and David to be less isolated. Mm-hmm. What I found funny was they they make this a point that they have to, you know, kind of go outside and and be less together, and they're there for maybe four, not scene-wise, because the scene is maybe 40 seconds, but assuming that they got dressed and headed out there, they're there for maybe four minutes, and they're like, room service? Room service.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... Oh, that was the lamest party, and and I've been to that party. I yeah, not yeah. there. But I've been to that. Yeah, we yeah, all have. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. like the margarita machine and the reheated chicken, <laughs> and that stupid mariachi band. Like, like here's the stereotype band. Like, right, oh, right, right, right. <laughs>
1: oh. I just love how how quickly they they kind of they kind of boomerang back, uh, and, and and we will get there. The uh, correlation between their sex scene. Keith and David, and, and I mean, it starts the same kind of, and then it kind of just completely goes separate ways, uh, where, where, you know, uh, who's telling who? David's telling Keith to be quiet. It's
0: the other way around.
1: Oh, it's the other way around. David's telling Keith to be quiet.
0: Right. Keith is telling David to be quiet because... Which is unusual because usually David's the one yes, you know. Yes, yes. I dare not say anything. I dare right, not express right, anything. Right.
1: right. yeah. Right. It's probably. I feel like I say this almost every episode about a certain character. That moment, and then they go into. Uh, I forget the name of the song, but they're they're singing really loud, and they're 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 definitely loud, gay, and proud here. Mm-hmm. Probably the happiest I've seen the two of them together.
0: And in fact, it reminded me of. Do you remember in the first season um, when? Keith and Claire are out in this field looking <laughs> for, the for the foot, foot that Claire yeah. stole. Right. And she asks Keith, you know, why are you with my brother? And he says of oh, David's kind of – he's kind and he's funny and he's he's a lot of fun to be around. And Claire's kind of like, who? What? <laughs> um, so that's like – Keith gets to see the David that no one else right, right. sees. And I really appreciate that. Something my, my, my guest last week,
1: which – the way we were recording these hasn't been released yet. Uh, he he his, his premise on Six Feet Under is he like, I love the show. I hated the characters. And we got to <laughs> talking about how Keith and David, he hates the most because it's a constant bitching between them. To the point of like, I you don't even understand why they're together. Uh, it, it's And to that point, you never see why David is fun. I get on the show, right? Mm. We, we, you know, we never see... I get why David wants to be with Keith. I never saw why Keith wants to be with David.
0: You know, I'll tell you. I think you see flashes of it. Okay. Do you remember at the end of season two when Nate is having his AVM surgery?
1: hmm
0: And Ruth, in her, you know, crazy way, insists that only she can go to the hospital, that David and Claire have to go to Claire's graduation. Right, right. So David comes into Claire's room where she's trying on her her you know cap her graduation cap yeah and he starts imitating nikolai
1: <laughs> yes yes like he's like
0: your mother is a very passionate yeah and they do uh, lord have mercy yeah, yes yeah. yeah that's like a little bit of that david yeah where he's being silly it's just flesh so little
1: you know mm-hmm. um um again like this has nothing to do with, with with uh sexuality or anything i personally i would rather be with keith Way ever before I'd ever even think about wanting to be with David. I, I just see more. I see more again. What the show gives us up to this point in, in season three and you know first two seasons. I just feel like Keith is so much more. I mean, I guess despite his anger issues too, right? Because that's sort of mm. <laughs> that's a, a that's a speed bump on the way there. Um, but I guess to a larger point, the the David finally the two of them singing in bed having fun, which also kind of quickly. It kind of spirals right back down when they're kind of driving back home, and as soon as they hit traffic, it all kind of you know goes down. Yeah, you know, we have this part where um, where David starts singing and Keith is like, "I don't mind you singing, I just don't want you singing at me."
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, think about it. Keith's going back to a life he doesn't like. Right, right. Yeah, because he's a like a watchman of this terrible security company. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still hasn't bounced back from what happened with the police force. And, you know, it it hasn't been that long. Yeah. I guess how would we, how would, I'll I'll leave this
1: on you because you seem to have a better grasp on it than me. How would you define here with their quote unquote eye inside? Is it, is this their true self? I guess it is, right? Because the vacation was sort of a facade of what they actually are. I mean, they're not always the couple in bed laughing and having fun. They're more this. They're more kind of bitching towards each other and David kind of being put in his place and I'm not going to do anything more than they are singing in bed, right?
0: Well, you know, I think I would say the opposite that the two of them in bed, those are their true selves. Those are the people they are when they're not – trying to please someone else when they're not being conscious of how they look to other people.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. When they're coming back to Los Angeles, assuming they left Los Angeles, those those uh, overcoats that they wear all the time fall back on their shoulders.
1: I can see that. I guess what's nice, at least with these first few episodes, is that the the storylines are kind of sectioned off. They've been so far. Uh, I, I guess we could move on to to another storyline. Uh, I guess we can move to Phil and Claire if we have nothing else on the Keith and David storyline.
0: No, and I am raring to uh, talk about Phil. Let I'm me gonna tell
1: sa- you. <laughs> I'm going to save that then because then I want to get <laughs> back to that. Uh, uh, I guess let's move to uh, Ruth and Bettina. Okay, um, Kathy Bates, uh, this is kind of her second episode on on the show. It uh, they starts off there on a hike and... <laughs> kind of just the way they're talking and whatnot uh it seems like bettina's love life has been absolutely shitted on because her <laughs> her fir- this poor woman's her first husband was dead at 25 uh-huh. the next one tried to sleep with all her friends and then the last one the one at 46 years old died being in perfect shape yes Th- that's i mean that's a lifetime of sadness for anyone in this I don't know how old you want to say Kathy Bates is during in Six Feet Under here. Um, but shit, that's awful, you know? Oh, one one husband dead on you is probably enough for any person, you know? Um, yeah. This poor woman. I just found I was like, whoa. Uh, you know, they're, they're sort of talking about their kids and whatnot, and we kind of see. I, I, I guess we could say that Bettina is already her true self. Just the way um. she goes about the episodes. she's just kind of... I don't know. I just, when my first watch, it, I was kind of like, Bettina has this episode of like, yeah, go ahead, do it, or yeah, go ahead, don't do it. Like, it doesn't matter either way, whatever you want to do. Do you, would you agree you think she's her true self or no? Throughout the episode?
0: You know, I guess I find it hard to say. I, probably, uh, you know, I just always consider her in contrast to Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when in the scenes together, I'm usually looking more at ruth yeah because i find that Bettina is a perfect friend for ruth and i totally get why they are friends yeah because Bettina's is not trying to please anyone but herself
1: right uh, and i guess that's what i mean i don't know i never i never uh <laughs> I, I'm, I'm detouring here uh did, were you, did you watch friends
0: you mean that 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 90s show yeah no, I've never seen oh, it.
1: Okay, there's an episode where there's someone like Bettina, and she kind of—it's it, almost the same exact character. And then you find out at the end of the episode, she's like a huge uh, identity theft, stealing fraud. <laughs> and there, there was parts of it, and just knowing how the show ends, Bettina's not like that. But I mean, she is way too quick to just fucking steal, <laughs> <And> she, <laughs> like with like with no. I love, I love her. Um, I love her her rationalization of it. It's like we're old women. We could get away with murder
0: if we wanted.
1: <laughs> no one would bat an eye on us.
0: I mean, it, it kind of like it makes it. I don't want to say sense, but it makes an emotional sense when she's like, "Look, they're charging three hundred dollars for a scarf that took them twenty to make, so they yeah. should lose a couple of."
1: <laughs> yeah, they stand to lose a few bucks.
0: Um, you know, I, I think that. What I like best about Bettina is when she's talking about, you know, like, you know, I I, I lost three husbands, but I got to retire early off the insurance money, (laughs) you know, like all these things back and forth, good and bad. And and she's like, you know, I don't even know if it balances out. I I still have to drag myself out of bed every morning. Yeah. Which sometimes is a really good attitude to have. You know, stop thinking about it and just get on with your life.
1: I kind of love that about her where she's just... Yeah, cause she's like, you know, is is life unfair? Probably, but what am I gonna do about it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I I I really liked I liked her character in that sense because we got some of it in the in the previous episode too, I guess. And and no offense to anyone, I guess it's just kind of like a punchline. I, I guess the same way, almost like Millie Vanilli is the idea that Bettina gets her haircuts at Supercuts. Again, there's not, I get like, I, I started to think to myself like, well, why is that funny? And I guess it's just, it's the idea more than it is actually going to Supercuts, right? I guess mm-hmm. the idea of a, a franchised haircut place, because that was the joke, right? It's, look at this guy, he probably went to Supercuts, you know?
0: Um, yeah, and if you think about it, you know, so she, you know, Ruth lectures her like, no, no, a woman's hair is the gateway to her sensuality. Um, <laughs> Right. So she just she lectures Bettina on appearance. And then when Bettina tries to, you know, kind of upgrade her clothing style, Ruth's like, no, no, I'm OK with, you know, my dowdy little tweed skirt and my stupid sweater. Yeah, it's Ru- weird.
1: Ruth goes, my, she's, you know, Ruth says her style is classic. <laughs> to, which, to which Bettina says, yeah, your, your clothing uh, could use a little
0: bit more adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. Classic, like, sofa upholstery.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I love, and I, I guess Ruth probably gets one of the first compliments from her own family, or I guess, or rather, recognition. And it's such a small part. But it's kind of like, wow, you, you almost never see that, where she gets this lipstick, right? And, you know, there's mm-hmm. the whole scene where they steal the lipstick, and, and it's, you know, it's just funny. Ruth Ruth is so honest. She's just like, well, oh no, I found one here I could pay for. And Bettina's like, nope, 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 wrong one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, why would you, or whatever, right? Uh, but when later when, when Nate and Lisa are moving in, and, you know, we'll get there, um, Nate... Again, to me, it's like the first time I've I've heard a Fisher pay the mother a compliment that wasn't in a scenario where the compliment was needed. If that makes sense, Nate mm. just goes, "Hey, ma, n- nice lipstick," and she's like, "Oh, you know, thank you. That's that's so. It's such a little little touching scene that it, I mean, it's less than five seconds, but it just you could see the glow on Ruth, you know. And I, I just I really like that that little touch there together.
0: And I was really glad to see that. After the conversation that she and Bettina have on the hike, um, right. when Bettina's talking about her daughter who's now you know stockpiling weapons in Montana, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. what, <laughs> let me ask you, what does that mean? She's, yeah, hoarding
1: firearms in a compound in Montana, like is she like a, a war jet? I I I didn't understand that. I didn't bother to look into it.
0: Well, I guess it's like remember the Michigan militia from you know the '90s and like. All these, like, the Minutemen in Arizona, these people who think the government's going to tyrannize them so they need to have weapons. So I'm assuming she's in one of those groups like that. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And what I love is that Ruth is like, you know, aren't you going to get someone to go deprogram her? And Bettina's like, no. (laughs) It's her life, you know. Yeah, yeah. uh,
1: You know, to that point, when Bettina's talking about her children, you know, she's like, she's in a compound and whatever she's like my other son ended up fine despite the fact he tried to burn our house down (laughs) and she just totally glossed over that and I was like well that one sounds like more trouble than the other one Uh, what was what I I like there is that when that conversation when she goes how about your kids Ruth just goes oh you know they're fine so I have this job uh, uh, God what do you call it interview there you go um, she does not want to talk about her children at all to Bettina. Um, but I, I can't remember if it was you or with someone else that Ruth has three children that all—I li- I mean, one of them lives—I don't know where David. I guess David lives with Keith now. One's moving back into her house two live in her house. Sure. At th- this age, she's rather fortunate to have her children be this close. I guess the, the whole emotional being there. For the, but I mean, she's, she's just rather fortunate to have her family that close to her at this stage in life. I, 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 I like the contrast, like you said, between Bettina and Ruth. It, it's Ruth's greatest friend on the show. Yeah, and you
0: know, although Bettina's kids aren't exactly a model for good parenting, all right? You yeah. know, an <laughs> arsonist and a, uh, <laughs> a terrorist. Right. But, but at the same time, Bettina's attitude of, like, look, they're adults, they make their own choices, is something Mm -hmm. that Ruth needs to adopt. Yeah, yeah. She needs to stop feeling responsible for what her kids do, because, you know, her sons are in their 30s. Yeah. Yeah, like, enough already. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're raising themselves from now on. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) To move to oh god this this Lisa and, and Carol storyline <laughs> if you can remind me because in my head you probably say it a thousand times better than I'm thinking it Catherine O'Hara there is there's a very specific um, description you had of her or was it someone else who looked like Catherine O'Hara oh, can no, you no, re-enlighten I, me no you tell me you didn't forget alright no I
0: do remember okay it was, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the, episode, the episode that I last guessed it on Was the one where that dude falls off the boat Into the propellers and gets chopped up
1: Yes, yes, yeah. okay okay. And his okay. wife,
0: the actress who plays his wife <laughs> Looks like Catherine O'Hara If Catherine O'Hara slightly melted
1: <laughs> it's I'm, trying pull, I'm trying to pull up the name here So if you're listening to this you can google it If, if Oh <laughs> fuck, that is so funny I just, yeah,
0: so every time I see Catherine O'Hara, I'm like, she's like a more refined version of that other woman. This one, just if you're home and you're watching and you're on your
1: phone, you could Google Harriet Sansom Harris, and she played Mrs. Collins. And she actually comes back later, I guess that's why you you made that, uh, she comes back later in season two to sue the Fishers. Um, (laughs) But yes, God, I was and While I was watching, I was like, what did he say about her? I couldn't remember, is Catherine (laughs) O'Hara's face melted? I don't know, just... Yeah, um, it,
0: it, it's the kind of catty remark people have come to expect from me.
1: <laughs> oh, God, but I mean, this this, this Carol character, um, okay, for starters, a grown-ass woman building a fort. <laughs> <laughs> <Is> this... <laughs> like, uh, if I'm playing with kids, like, a fort is so much fun to build, but just home alone i guess with lisa right and 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 building a fort the cake towel well i guess i guess before i get there <laughs> you just see carol is complaining so unreasonably and you know we get this lisa is is, is Maya's crying Lisa's trying to walk away none of Carol's problems are any real um, I guess you just need someone to listen to uh, mm-hmm. for anyone else any normal person and I'm putting quotes on a normal person a freak out like this is just someone who's you know times are bad they just have to have everyone has their freak out where the smallest problem is nothing it's every episode with Carol the, mm-hmm. <laughs> these completely inconsequential problems she has the, the, the made the biggest freak out she gets this cake and then the cake towel. <laughs> have you ever heard of a cake towel prior to this?
0: No, but it's like something you have for a
1: toddler, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, could get my French fries, uh, whatever, my, 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 I'm trying to think, of whatever, my, my milk bib or whatever. Right. Or, or just a, what a kid, what a kid associate, just if one day randomly a kid was eating French fries with. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with something. I can't come up with anything as like a cake towel.
0: Um, or like like this is like this is Sam's car blanket. He also has like a sofa blanket. and yeah, a, like yeah, yeah. And the fact that Lisa, when she asks if Carol has her cake towel, it means that Lisa has kind of accepted this <laughs> bit of weirdness. It's common,
1: like it's commonplace. Like <laughs> fork, knife, napkin, and cake towel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, when we see the cake towel, it's just mm-hmm. smothered in...
0: Cake? I don't like. Why? What does it? What
1: purpose does it serve?
0: Oh, you mean like when you see it later? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, think about it. When Lisa hands the cake through the the opening <laughs> in the sheets um, the through the little the door, <laughs> like Carol's freaking out, like you know, don't get them on the sheets. They're from Bertuzzi. <laughs> but then later, when Lisa comes back for the plate, they're everywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um. Um. I mean, Um, it really, doesn't it look like, oh gosh, this is so crude. (laughs) I I know I know what you're thinking,
1: because that's where my mind went. Yes, that's where my mind went. I was like, um,
0: okay. (laughs) Um, there's a bathroom down the hall, Carol, but, uh, okay. Uh,
1: I just... (laughs) Maybe that's what the cake towel is
0: for, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe?
1: Who the hell knows, right? Um, oh shit, hold on, I think I have, uh... No, that can't be. It. Cause I, in the in the previous episode, when it's closing, she says that, that Carol can't have whole milk because she's lactose intolerant. And she so, jokingly says she's going to bake her a cake w- made with whole milk. Mm-hmm. But the cake towel wouldn't be there already because they would... Oh, man, I don't know. I just tried to put that together. Uh, I still don't know what... I guess, was she eating it with her hands and the cake towel was like something to rub off on? Um you know, how many of these does she have? <laughs> like, I don't yeah. think they come out that clean in the wash,
0: no matter how much bleach you use. Um, I mean, Lisa hands her a fork with the cake, so I- I'm assuming Carol used it, but who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah. She's a nut job.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, in every sense of the word, right? Um, I lo- uh, Carol's complaining again about Nate parking in the driveway, and we see, you know, we saw the last episode where Nate... Just starts to stay a little bit later at the Fisher home, mm. and here he's not parking in the driveway, and we see him. Uh, uh, I have rub one out on the on the on the street before he goes in. <clears throat> uh, I thought it was funny where he he's sitting there, I guess, having his quiet time before he you know walks in the house, and he walks in and just Lisa's sitting there pumping. <laughs> And she just goes, sexy, right? And he's like, yeah.
0: Yeah, and he makes a cow sound. <laughs> yeah. <what> the... Nate? <laughs> That's your wife. Like... <laughs> I know, and she's pumping for your daughter. <laughs> he's such a... Uh, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> um...
1: And I guess, I guess, you know what? Uh, we we kind of went over it, but she does... See, now my head is fucking spinning right now because... Lisa does bring the poopy shake because remember, Carol says, I want my poopy shake at 2 p.m. And, yes. and the scene where we find the, the, the towel, the cake towel, and, and where she quits, she's bringing the poopy shake. Right. Um, <laughs> I love the idea. there must have been so much fun in the writer's room to have Carol kind of scoffing at the fact that the baby's there.
0: <laughs> it's just, oh, she's here again. Like, <laughs> like right. the baby she-
1: says anything.
0: Yeah, like she kind of starts as if it's like, what? <laughs> like Lisa brought a chimp into the room or something.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, Carol.
1: But, oh. I mean, how 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 crazy or I guess how out of touch of reality could you be? Because Carol's line is when she's complaining about how Lisa doesn't care about her enough and whatnot. Her her line is earlier when I was in pain, your baby was crying and you made that the priority.
0: Ah. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Ask you the idea? What was you know everything in Six Feet Under always has underlying meaning and whatnot. What is Carol supposed? Is that just is she just there just to be what she is, or did did did? Are you able to come up with anything of what her character's underlying supposed to be? Is she the craziness of life that Nate and Lisa aren't ready for yet? I don't know. I'm just trying to. I I never I never saw anything. Beyond her being this out of touch of reality and driving Lisa crazy,
0: um, you know, I'm not sure how to answer that question, but let me say this: I think that what she serves in this episode is to normalize Lisa a bit, because I have never had more sympathy for Lisa than in the moment where she throws down the pad and the pencil and storms out. Because, I mean, Carol unleashes. A torrent of insanity on her. Insane, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it absolutely bananas. And it was nice to see that, like, for once, Lisa is not the most loopy person in the room.
1: I mean, how much could you get paid? How much could you be getting paid to tolerate that? I always, I mean, I'm, a, I, I, I've, I'm, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I know I'm younger than, than some people, um, being that I'm 30 years old, but I've already had the experience of. Too much uh, money definitely doesn't equate happiness. Meaning your job, like you could be making X amount of money, but if you're not happy, it's almost not worth it. How much money could she have been been getting paid to take this? You know what I mean? Well, it,
0: mm-hmm. it couldn't be that much because we know she's not getting health insurance.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So how? Yeah. That's yeah. That's 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 funny. Yeah.
0: So I mean, <laughs> like, much. there's just. <laughs> That was just that was bonkers. I mean, I mean, we always knew Carol was weird, but I mean, no one knew that it was this Titanic amount of of insanity. It really was.
1: I don't know how how anyone has more than like a five minute conversation because she's definitely someone where you know if I was just introducing you to her, she'd be like, oh hey, she'd be like, hey Neil, that's a Interesting shirt you picked out. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know you, woman. Like, why? I I just feel like she just goes, I just feel like she goes through life blazing a trail of offending everyone. (laughs) Everyone is left in the dust, like, the hell is going on?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, Carol can't see. I mean, she is completely self absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's about her. Even that picture with the art. Do you remember when the scene opens and the camera opens on a picture of Carol with the Clintons, with Bill and Hillary? (laughs) Yeah. And even Bill and Hillary—I mean, I realize it's a Photoshop picture, but <laughs> yeah. even the Clintons look like they're like, uh oh. <laughs> Just take
1: the picture and get this. You know what's funny? I have it playing right now and that scene literally just crossed up. I think, I think the Clintons are looking one way and she's looking at the camera. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny you said that. It literally just showed up. I'm gonna freeze frame it here. Yeah, it kinda of, they kinda of, they're all looking one different way. And she's in the front too. That's what's funny. The Clintons are behind her. Oh, oh man. funny. That's so funny. What a telling, what a telling photo, right? Uh uh um it, it, to back up a minute uh we get this little scene where where Nate and Rico and Rico just being uh the 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 macho man that he is talking about how you know even even when Vanessa even puts on clothes on she still gets catcalled and you know kind of calling back to the episode uh you know Nate in just awkward dialogue, right? Where it's just like, well, you know, Lisa's hot too. And <laughs> Rico's like, yeah, okay. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, talk about your wife. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Uh, but basically the idea of how Nate, uh, Rico's telling Nate, you know, the first year of marriage is hard, especially if you have a kid and Nate is just like, Nope, Nope. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then mm-hmm. it kind of just all falls to shit after we see Lisa quit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and you know, the episode prior, right? Uh, I, 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 could tell by your senses. I feel like you're gonna you're gonna laugh at it. Where Lisa says, mm. you know, they're having dinner, and we we find out that that David was uh, David and Keith are seeing a therapist, and you know, Lisa looks on with Nate, and she's like, "Well, we've never had a fight," and we were speaking in the prior episode where that is the biggest sign that there's <laughs> way huge trouble on the way or it's already brewing, mm. and. It's just this kind of thing here where Nate's like, no, no, everything's fine. I've never, I can't imagine two people being married with a child and marriage not, that first year, I'm not someone who's married, I just can't imagine it not being
0: super tough. Well, you know, I think that you can't imagine it because it would never happen that it wouldn't be tough. Right, right. But both Nate and Lisa are heavily invested in pretending that everything is fine. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I remember this season it happens a few more times mm-hmm. where they they run across various uh rough spots and because neither one of them can really be honest and uh and open, they just have to paper things over. It's phew. Yeah, I mean we, we kind
1: of see it where where Nate it's like kind of like Nate lets it out, but then he closes it really quickly, trying to be rather understanding, where Nate comes home and Lisa's just packing. And Nate's like, Well, were you gonna, were we gonna discuss this? Like, and it's like, oh, let me think. We're just gonna move to my mother's house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could see it on Nate and Nate goes from what the hell to, okay, fine, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. We're going to mm-hmm. work through this, whatever. There was something later where I, and I read this on AV club where, I hey, that's actually where I found you. Right. Yeah. There was a, mm-hmm. a comment on AV club where some, cause there's the scene where, when they're moving in and, uh, he drops the pillow and I think Lisa says oh you dropped your pillow whatever and it was just the idea of like Nate is now losing like his sense of comfortability of sorts someone was making that connection where it was like mm-hmm. yeah like Nate, Nate dropped it because now now he's bringing everything into his own home where it was like a quote unquote sanctuary before you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean you can see like at some point in the future Nate is himself going to have a secret room you know, atop right. an Indian restaurant.
1: Right, right. right. Uh, th- there's a quick moment that I wanted to, I was laughing that, uh, I guess R- Rico's plot line in this this episode is rather thin, but it's essentially, he doesn't know how to, to console, console a, a grieving grieving family member, and Nate kind of, the mother starts crying during the service, and Nate just goes over and hugs the woman, and Rico is all like, I'm sorry I couldn't do that. You know, Nate, how do you do that? I was just laughing because all Nate literally did was just go hug her or literally just be next to her. And Rico's like, oh man, like that's some, you know, how do you do that? And I don't know, even Nate says it. He's just like, I just kind of went over to her. You just have to be there, right?
0: Well, you know, the, as I think I've said before, I'm not a fan of Nate. I really am not. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this much that I think that being present, as Nate said is actually very difficult um, because don't, don't we spend most of the time most of our time in our heads yeah, thinking about yeah. something we did before or something always, we're going to do
1: yep. or that's wrapped li- up in
0: our own worries yep.
1: that's how I live my life so yes 100% <laughs> I
0: mean everyone does that right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so to be present for someone to actually be in tune with them is really hard Yeah. Um, now Nate of course I mean Nate's problem is that he can only be present with people in whom he's not invested. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, Callie's mom, uh, Mrs. Mortimer. Yeah, yeah. You know, he knows that she's going to move on after the funeral. He'll never see her again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Last Less, uh, Less season with the guy with the pancreatic cancer.
0: Exactly. Nate commits yeah. to, to seeing him every day, but that's because he knows the guy's going to be gone soon. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's just part of who Nate is. He, he's really not good at being present when he has to be present. All the time with someone, mm-hmm. and I guess that's kind of why he says he's able to com-
1: part I have always have trouble with this word, compartmentalize. When they're just talking about, you know, Rico's just kind of like, you know, I, I just can't help but think, what if that was Vanessa? What if that was Julio that got hit by the car and you know whatever? Mm-hmm. And Nate's just kind of like, yeah, I don't. Uh, this is the funeral home. This is where I work. And then when I go home, that's my family. Uh, I was sort of taking that back to that line where Keith said, we're knowing it's a break from reality. Mm. that kind of funeral home for the, the the funeral home for Nate isn't reality so he's able to just kind of i guess do stuff like that be in the mm. moment quote unquote you know <laughs> Nate is watching yeah look at that there is a friends episode playing here and uh Lisa just sort of bombards him with a million questions about planning the future
0: <laughs>
1: and Nate I don't know I kind of I was with Nate here like hey we 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 we're, we're able to stay home not not pay rent, We're assuming they're not paying rent. like let's let's relax for a week. And I guess Lisa is just not that type of person to just sit there and let it happen. Um, the 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 true self, I guess this is their true self coming out, or I guess Nate Nate's is closer to coming out just cause well, it's kind of bubbling.
0: I feel like first of all, I felt like kind of the I got whiplash in the scene because i'm like wait a minute nate when lisa suggested moving in with your mom you were all upset about it and now she's talking about making it as brief a day as possible and you're like oh no don't worry about it like yeah, what, could, what is lisa yeah. supposed to think <laughs> yeah also, which,
1: which way are we going
0: mm-hmm. i have to tell you lisa really ticks me off in this scene when she's saying she doesn't want to vaccinate maya i'm like no no you have to vaccinate her <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: in that scene and uh, yeah, it happens every episode she downloaded a bunch of information <laughs> from the internet <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah uh, and again you know we'll see how that Lisa storyline um, sort of pans out uh, uh,
0: of guess, course she's an anti-vaxxer of course she is
1: I mean yeah uh, there, was, there was the episode before uh, about the, well, I think of the peanut butter and I'm um, my guest was telling mm. me Moira that that's actually old news. Now that you can feed a child peanut butter under three years or three months, whatever. Mm. <clears throat> uh, I guess we can move to, uh, <laughs> Phil and Claire now.
0: <laughs> oh yes. <laughs>
1: um, again, like we were just saying that this opening scene where we Phil and Claire are in bed, uh, Phil, Phil, I was reading some reading up on some stuff before the episode. I was going through user comments and, uh, Phil um, Claire lies that she didn't have an orgasm right Cause mm-hmm. Phil is like wasn't that great and Claire goes it was good um, mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of I guess I guess their they're whole well hold on I'm sorry I have to slow down here the next morning Ruth is looking at Phil's tattoo and I had to rewind this like six times because I didn't know the terminology and I'm going to mess it up and mm-hmm. it's no it's it's no, not offensive I just I, I probably just can't pronounce it right uh, Claire, Ruth is asking Phil what his tattoo is, mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> like you're sitting there just waiting for it. And yep. Phil, you know, Ruth goes, "Is that a snake or a vine?" And and Phil goes, <laughs> "The first word. It's kind of a combination of Mayo tomoko and also Japanese kanji for like inner wisdom, I think." <laughs> <laughs>
0: what a touching,
1: perfect, uh, uh, character shaping moment. You know, we're just like, I, I, I think this thing that takes half my body <laughs> and it's such like a 20 year old thing to do, right? Uh, you know. get the Chinese lettering or whatever. Um,
0: but he has no idea. I think it's for <laughs> yeah. like inner wisdom, I think.
1: Uh. <laughs> I love, uh, kind of adorable the way Ruth is asking for advice here about Bettina mm-hmm. and, you know at first you know you think it's about a man but it's actually Bettina right not, and uh, Phil's advice of you know don't ever
0: call that'll make you look really really bad mm-hmm. uh, well do you notice that when he's saying that yeah you know, that'll make you look desperate Ruth dismisses the advice you can right. tell by the look on her face mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Claire is looking at him realizing that, like, this is kind of what he does to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: To make yeah. sure I need him more than he needs mm-hmm.
1: me. Mm-hmm. There... His whole arc, right, I mean, is just... He's definitely... He's just gotten away with it all. Let me stop here, because you have probably much more vile towards him. <sighs> uh, I I guess... Uh, I... I'm kind of stuck here because I don't know if I want to go to the art school. To Let's go back to the art school because it kind of shapes our our end conversation. Okay. Um, and, and really quick before that, we we see that, you know, <laughs> poor Claire. Phil's performing and Claire's like, I'd love to see you. And he just kind of like, yeah, just I can never do it the way he does. I've never been able to do that with anyone. I'm not talking about my love life either. I'm talking about friends where it's like, oh, no, you don't want to go either. Oh, because I have some friends. No, nah, you won't like them that's nah, okay and it's like you know six different ways of just telling you like listen don't
0: come yeah although I mean Claire you know, after the conversation they had in the previous episode it doesn't take her long to twig to what right, he means right, which right. is basically I have another woman coming yeah yeah
1: and 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 we we see the fallout that, like I said, if we just uh, go to art school quick. Uh, we meet we meet Olivier, who becomes a rather important character. Shit, almost through the se- the series end, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I never understood his character my previous watching because I never sat down and analyzed everything. This is one of the episodes where it probably just flew over my head. So I, I'm excited to see to, to to understand this character more. But he kind of comes in and he's just i kind of have like he just stomps on any idea of, of structure or organized structure and, and he just put sort of again it's, it's our episode title promotes this idea of the eye inside of kind of like you were saying what what keith says and you know like who are you pleasing and and, and it happens right because <laughs> i mean i don't understand art enough to, to 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 see it how he presents it to us but you know he asks him to paint the worst day of your lives whatever and you know, he grabs someone's paint and is like, Who are you making this for? Who is this pleasing? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the funny comments I read where he's just, he somehow makes it uh, s- makes it somehow sound human as a bad thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he's like, You know, that you're just a pathetic human. <laughs>
1: uh, I, the funny note I had, and I, I guess this is somewhat of Six Feet Under Humor, where. Uh, when he gets in the class, and he's sort of like, "If you need an essay, I'll give you an essay. If you need lecture, I'll give you lecture. Don't fucking harp on what you need. Whatever. Like, let's learn art. Let's let's grow." Mm-hmm. And the str- I'm, I'm doing quotes here. The strangest looking girl in the class, what has like the pink hair and kind of has a, the the I don't know what you call them, the honey buns on her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the one who can't can't grasp onto this idea of like, you know. Sh- tearing down the the idea of a class and a structure, she's the one who leaves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, love it.
1: Yeah, that's the one that goes out, and, and you know it's funny too. That that's for two thousand three. That's that's supposed to be the zany out there girl. <laughs> but what 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 Olivier says and how we get you know the eye inside, you know, was, was when what's inside of you confronts the outside of you. And it's just sort of, you know, we see here with our characters realizing their most truest self.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This whole conversation where, you know, we, we get to see where uh, Claire paints this. Was this of the cemetery?
0: Yeah, all the gravestones.
1: Right. And, and I feel like no, there's no pleasing, I guess, in terms of art. I guess that's why he's a great teacher, right? Uh, there's no pleasing, Olivier. And who are you making this for? All of this who are you pleasing and it's just kind of where Claire has this sort of awakening moment because we see here sort of at the end of the episode where Claire wants to have kind of revisit the idea of wanting to see other people Mm -hmm. I guess up to this point your your hate relationship with Phil before we get here is there anything you could insert I guess or or does it do we have to encompass the whole Phil storyline
0: uh, I I mean you know I don't want to I have a ramp I'm sure Okay, me yeah, I can feel it. Okay. it.
1: There we go. So basically I, I guess to set up the scene you know Claire's not on board with this. I guess she I guess she almost she is on board it's just can you give me some shape? Just give me some some idea of well when does it happen? When when does when does not seeing other people end? When when do me and you get serious? And he's just to Phil's credit, he's amazing at snaking away from it. I guess not that amazing because it's kind of juvenile the way he talks to her. Kind of like treating Claire like a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, his line again here where, you know, Claire asks, when, when does that happen in his line. It has to be more organic for me. It has to evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not saying
1: it won't. It so totally could. And that just kind of pushes Claire. It's like, well... Why are we doing this? You can't even give me you talk to me like a child. And <laughs> I I in the most truest form too, right? Claire ask, uh Claire's leaving and he just acts for a hug. Ugh. You've known you could tell that these lines before have worked on other women.
0: Uh-huh. Oh yeah.
1: And it just wasn't vibing with Claire. Perfect timing, I guess, too, for Claire to have this self realization to Phil's I'm gonna use my same line. Doesn't work. And there goes that. Your rant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all right. There's no. I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing multiple people, right? Fair Fine. enough. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, it's not that Phil says, "Look, Claire, I understand where you're coming from, and I understand that my choice doesn't work for everyone." Mm-hmm. But that's not what he does. He kind of presents it. In a very pedantic way, like... As if he's on some kind of higher plane of existence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's reached some level of maturity to which she has yet to arrive. (laughs) And it's like, no. No, he hasn't. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. Because he basically diminishes her concerns. And that's what bothers me about that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you remember... You you just said this. uh, What he said was that something... Monogamous has to be more organic?
1: Yeah. It has, to Where evol- have we, it has to be more organic for me. It has to evolve. I'm not right. saying it won't. It so totally could.
0: Where have we heard a line very much like that before? Do you remember when Ruth last season asks for intimacy and Nate says that sort of thing has to be more organic? Uh, are you talking about Nate and Brenda? No. Oh, Ruth, Ruth and- says to her kids, all three of them, Uh I want intimacy.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. You're right, you're right, you're right,
0: you're right. And Nate says that has to develop organically. And I was like, oh my gosh. It's like Phil is just a younger, (laughs) cuter version of Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I don't like Nate. I I will admit it. And I really (laughs) dislike Phil. Um, Yeah, and let me tell you, I've dated those guys Mm -hmm. who, what they do is they try to turn when you express a concern about something they're doing, they try to turn it around on you. Yeah, yeah. And the thing like, oh, I didn't realize you wanted a contract. I didn't realize you were getting so serious. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you wanted to get
1: married today. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's just, what they're doing is they're kind of gaslighting you. Yeah. They're making you doubt your perceptions, you know, and and everything you believe And I'm so glad that Claire opens the eye inside and says, Why am I trying to please this douchebag?
1: Yeah, who, who. The idea, too, where, uh, you know, we it was last episode that I was saying that Phil gives this amazing, Claire, you're perfect the way you are, and all this stuff. He really just gives her this, sends her on cloud nine. And then at the end of the episode, it's like, oh, wait, we're we're, we're supposed to be seeing other people? And I was just like, I would be pissed, too, as, as a single person right now, if I was in that scenario and someone talked about me like that, um, the way he even kind of just treats her as like the weekend girl, almost, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever. I, what I, I guess it doesn't matter, but it's just the, the set days, like you know, like we can't do this, but Friday's okay. Friday's totally cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I am gonna be able to verbalize this, but the way he's just someone who says totally and and, and it using so. As a term of measurement, like that is so great, man, that is so you or something, you know, uh, just the way because like I'm not saying it won't evolve, but it's so totally could, you know right um,
0: someday, Claire, just hang in there
1: <laughs> yeah and 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 I love I love I, I guess I don't remember Phil after this, I don't know what happens um but just so juvenile just the way he, he goes about it, you know. Um, I guess it's scary to think too, right? I'm going outside the show here in sort of a hypothetical. If he put a little bit more effort, he probably could, not that I, 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 would, I would encourage it, but he could string her along more if he just showed a little bit more. Like if he wasn't so self-absolved. Absol- absol- does that make sense?
0: Well, you know, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that something that people oftentimes do when they're using other people or, or misbehaving in some way mm-hmm. is they want to be able to convince themselves that they're fine. Right. 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 So if he, what he has done with Claire is he can always tell himself, well, you know, Claire and I talked and I was honest, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's trying yeah. to exonerate himself so that he can sleep easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, relationships – he talks about a contract, right? I think Claire understands better than he does that relationships are not a contract in the sense that it's something you sign like when you buy a house and it never changes. Right. No, a a relationship is negotiated every day.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think Claire understands that. I think that Phil is the one who thinks it's a contract because he's told himself that because he and Claire – Establish the terms. Everything's fine. And he can now go on. <laughs> you know?
1: It's a brilliant way to put it. You're 100% right. Yes. Yes. He's a, he's um. a dirtbag. I, I hate that
0: guy. <laughs> I really <laughs> do. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you know, John Paul Pittock, who's the actor, he's fine. You know, John Paul, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, ooh, Phil. I went, um...
1: I went a little crazy. I even went on Reddit. If, if anyone followed, is a Reddit fan and whatever, they, they see me on there. I went a little crazy. I'm a huge Red Hot Chili Pepper fan. Okay. And in this scene where, where they're having this talk, Claire is behind three of the same Red Hot Chili Pepper promo posters. And it's for their mm-hmm. album in 2002, by the way. So I'm sitting here fucking going nuts being like all right what's the correlation and when i like i am one of those rare uh, red Hot chili pepper fanatic like i know every song i know all the, you know i've seen them live countless amount of times blah 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 and i was sitting there like all right what's the meaning what are they trying to say what is this show and i posted on Reddit and everything and i got nothing it's just happenstance <laughs> just one of those things like you know uh I thought there was something there. I, I was trying to think of what song they were trying to refer to nothing, and it's just nothing. A sign of the times, 2003, you know. <laughs> um, so in case anyone else was wondering that, uh, nothing there. Okay. Uh, that sort of does bring us to the end of our episode. Is there anything I, I glossed over that you wanted to, to bring up?
0: You know, I have to say, Olivier, mm-hmm. I find him so vexing because Olivier is one part insight to two parts bullshit <laughs> but like just when you get angry at him he comes out with something that actually makes sense yeah and it, it really it's really irritating because if he were wrong all the time <laughs> but because That's, every once in a while he's right yeah uh, uh like, I, like I said
1: when I, when I started him he was someone I didn't get I was just always and I it's I, I simply I just didn't pay attention right I just never got what he was, all his stuff, all his, this, this ranting and, 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 and everything I could, you can't call him pretentious. Can you, or you could? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely okay.
0: Pretentious. Oh and,
1: boy. Yeah. And it's just like, you're, you know, oh, you drink water, you stupid human. You know, I, there's all his, his, I'm really anxious and curious to see, to, to fully understand that character, um, I just didn't get it my first time around, so uh I was reading some comments on him, and uh someone had said something pretty uh similar to what you said is that every once in a while he has that, and you know if you if you go through all his bullshit, he is sort of a brilliant character um so yeah I, I'm excited too
0: yeah yeah oh and and the other thing I wanted to say is that um. <laughs> Zachary Quinto's in this episode, and I really want his pants, and that's a single entendre. I just want the pants. And this isn't dirty. I just want the pants he's wearing. I, don't <laughs> I
1: really that. like them. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is that is there a meaning in there I don't get, or is this, do you literally want his
0: pants? I just want those pants, the clothing. Oh, okay. like, that's it. As I said, it's a single entendre. Uh-huh. It's, this is a G-rated comment. I really like the pants he was wearing. So I, w- I wish I didn't have to ask, if is that what you really meant when you started out with a single entendre? <laughs> <laughs> yep, it, it's just, hey, nope. I, am. Uh-huh. I, it's just, I want them on a rack. I'd buy them. Uh-huh. That's all. I mean, he's only in it for... It's it's the scene before Olivier shows up that you can see his outfit, and I really like those pants, and I thought they were cool. And See, he has some cool-ass shirt right now. I don't see the pants. Is there the pants? I think you have to see him before they, they get down the before, before he gets...
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's where he is now because Olivier just showed up. He's tossing everyone pads. If you have a pencil, great. If you don't, you have a pen, you're even more lucky.
0: I think it's the part where uh, Quinto is telling Claire and Russell about...
1: How one teacher was terrible, yeah,
0: and all that. So, but that's that's completely G-rated. Zachary Quinto is safe. I just want those particular pants from the wardrobe.
1: This is not entertaining.
0: Oh, I see it now. Okay, okay. I think they're really cool. See, yeah, I, I, I enough, knew you'd no. think that I meant something else, but I really just... Well, mean yeah, again, it. again,
1: it's like I said, if, if only you didn't start out saying it, there's no other meaning behind this besides I want his pants. And the <laughs> typical me, I just go, hey, what did you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Neil, always a good time with you. Uh, check out Neil's podcast, uh, Nitpicking the Next Generation. Um, anything, Anything special? I know, you know you guys you have quite a few episodes that to go before before you're done with that anything special coming up anything or we're we just going episode by episode
0: well actually uh, one of our listeners okay. made a, a, she's a film student and she made a documentary about us
1: no fucking way that's awesome yeah
0: and it's available on YouTube for free so anyone who wants to watch it can if you search on YouTube uh, the name of the film is live long and podcast <laughs> so if you if they, people who want to search it can they can watch it for free and uh, I'm sure the filmmaker will appreciate any any comments that uh, they care to leave
1: look at this yeah I have it here uh, obviously if you literally just go to YouTube and type in live long and podcast it's the first one there I'm gonna link it on, on our website on, on digging that is really awesome
0: Um It was a lot of fun. I was hoping it was going to be like a VH1 behind the music special. (laughs) You know, when they can like chronicle like my drug use. Because isn't it true on behind the music, there's always like before a commercial break, there's like next Neil McGarry begins his dance with the devil.
1: And then it's just you talking. It's like, and then it was that one night. (laughs) Just had to do it. Coming up next. Oh man. I remember behind the music. Oh, man, that's really awesome. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Check out Neil's podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm on Twitter. I
0: am at Digging Podcast. Neil, you are at? We are at uh, www.peckable.com slash nitpicking.
1: Yeah, awesome, and I will I will definitely link that to the uh, show notes in the episode. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, comments, or anything regarding the funeral industry you know, it's really funny too Neil this show moves so far away from the funeral industry starting this as this season because <laughs> I, I had no comments usually I like to just say hey I guess there's one thing because it, it kind of comes up right now Nate walks in the room and he just goes is she juiced and meaning is, mm. is she in, in, is, does she have embalming fluid um, I've never heard someone say is she juiced <laughs> you know <laughs> again I haven't been working that long it's only been 11 years for me but I've yet to hear that term uh It's just funny how the show moves so far away from the funeral industry. It just becomes solely a drama. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Digging Six Feet Under. Uh, Like I said, you can email me. I'm at digging6feetunder at gmail.com. And join us next week as we uh, review episode 304 titled Nobody Sleeps. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Standing naked in your kitchen. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended i